everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. So let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. All right, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled the small moments matter. And this podcast is inspired by my blog post for this week that you can find at revcarla.com. So there's a saying that says that you can't trust someone with two first names. And I don't know if that's really true. I don't know who said it, but I don't think it's true. I know many of people who have two first names and they're just fine. But today we're going to talk about uh, someone who is um, named Dr. David Davis. So that was my thought. And I think we can trust him, especially after you read the blog and hear a little bit about this in the podcast. But I'm going to go out of limb here and say with a uh, confidence that you have no idea who Dr. David Davis is, at least not the David Davis, because that is actually a quite common name, who is credited for saving the Alabama beach mouse and actually literally saved it from extinction. And uh, Dr. David Davis uh, is a biologist who studied the Alabama beach mouse in the 60s, and that's what led to his life-saving work for the mouse. Now, his work has been published in several articles where he has highlighted the threats to this tiny mouse and the importance of getting the mouse on the endangered species list and why the mouse was one of the first species to be on the National Registry when we created the Endangered Species Act in 1973. So that's something I didn't realize that we didn't have the Endangered Species Act until I was 12 years old. We keep thinking about some of these things being like almost ancient history, but it's not been that long ago that we were even awakened here in America to think that we should protect animals. So thankfully for Dr. David Davis, he got the Alabama beach mouse. And you might be thinking, why should you care? Well, I hope by the end of this podcast, you do care about the beach mouse. And you also understand this connection to why these small moments matter and why our actions here in this life have intricate and integral uh, connections to our spirituality. Because I think we all can agree that any species that disappears is a tragic loss to the fragile uh, balance of life, even in our even more fragile ecosystem, because you could just do any kind of research and find out how many animals have gone extinct, how many animals are close to extinction, how many animals are living in zoos just to protect them from extinction, because we just have not done a very good job as a whole of humanity in protecting uh, the other species that live here on the earth with us. But there has been an explosive growth along the Alabama coastline, and I could certainly attest to that. My family and I have been going there since the early 90s, and when we first started going uh, down into the Gulf Shores area, it was just a two-lane highway that took you off of 65 onto 59. It was literally just a state road that was a two-lane highway, and now there are two four-lane highways that go there. They've expanded the coastline highways, and there's just a massive explosion of construction going on with the high-rise condos uh, replacing the single renter VRBO style homes. 
So of course, tourism has skyrocketed as well. And this is making Alabama a very attractive des destination for both visitors and corporations interested in investing in this infrastructure. But as you can imagine, this kind of explosion of growth has had a negative impact on the environment and especially the Alabama beach mouse, whose population has significantly declined due to habitat loss and threat to their existence brought on by this increase of human activity. As a matter of fact, during Hurricane Ivan, the DNR, Alabama DNR, went out to trap several of the uh, mice because they thought that with what was expected with that storm surge, that the entire population of beach mice along the Alabama coastline and into the Florida panhandle was going to be eradicated. Now, they since have learned they, they trapped some, but some still miraculously survived, even though they were underwater, like five, six, eight feet of water for several days, they somehow uh, were able to survive, which is just a testament to the tenacity of species that they're they're wired for survival that in ways that we don't completely understand. And you're probably learning so much more about the beach mouse than what you wanted to know. But if you are interested, you could go to YouTube and you can just search Alabama beach mouse and you can find out these things yourself. There's actually very some interesting uh, videos, at least I think they are. And again, you may be asking yourself, why should you care? It's just a mouse. From an ecological system along the Alabama coastline, the disappearance of that mouse would have such a trickle-down effect on the ecosystem in that area because the mouse plays a crucial role, as you can imagine, in the food pyramid, and its burrowing activities actually contribute to the habitats available for other wildlife along the coastline, and it also contributes to the aeration of the sand dunes and the sea oats and everything else that's growing there. It's amazing what this little guy is responsible for and how important his life is or their lives to the health of the ecosystem in along the Alabama coastline. So the disappearance of that mouse would be incredibly disruptive and it would cause a cascading effect that would lead to other species becoming more fragile and likely threaten their existence. So hopefully by now you care, but let's keep talking about this because the Alabama Department of Revenue takes the mouse's survival so seriously that every visitor along the coast and any owner that's invested in property in the coast pays a small percentage to a fund that is specifically set aside to ensure that the Alabama beach mouse doesn't disappear from the earth. That's all thanks to the work of Dr. David Davis. So now, yes, we can trust someone with two names. Now, I couldn't even find on the internet whether or not Dr. David Davis is alive, but I'm going to keep searching because I want to know if, if he's still around and if he understands what an impact his work has had on the safety and well-being of the Alabama beach mouse, because I think this story, in my view, reveals itself that this holy wisdom is available for us to understand why these small moments matter. So let's just keep going here. I'd like to also have you consider that not only are they small moments, but they are sacred moments. And what do I mean by these small moments mattering? mattering because small moments matter. There we go. Because they carry the essence of 
of our lives with them, within us, within these moments. These are our lived experiences. These moments, and this is Dr. David Davis's moment. I'm sure he had many others, but this one is trickling down. This is the legacy that he's leaving. And this encapsulates the beauty and the meaning of our existence. People might forget our names, but the things that we do, these small little intricate things that we do live on past us and into perpetuity, which is exactly what's happening with Dr. David Davis's work. I just like saying his name too. So in the midst of our hectic lives, these small moments are often all we have. They offer us a sanctuary of peace and connection. And they're reminding us to, even if we can't slow down, that we at least pay attention to the present, what's happening around us, because these fleeting moments hold immense power to nourish our souls and fill us with joy and gratitude, at least it does with me. I find this story so inspirational. You can go look up. We're talking about a tiny, tiny mouse that a researcher in the 60s decided to research because he felt that if it disappeared, the ecosystem of the entire Alabama coastline into Florida would not be the same, would not survive. So think about how much you or your family vacation along that coastline and how it would have been impacted, how your lives would have been impacted, all because of this small moment and the work of Dr. Davis. So it can be something as simple as that story or just holding the space for what's in front of you right now. These are like fragments of lived experiences that come together that tell a story of humanity. It really is about our human experience, our collective human experience living into eternity, reminding us that it's not just about these grand achievements, but also finding magic and wonder in these ordinary moments. These moments teach us about the profound lesson of being mindful, of being present, of being engaged and understanding why people do what they do. Because at the time you, you hear about that and you might think it's insignificant, but we start to discover the interconnectedness of all things and recognizing that each breath, each touch, each word, each research, each action carries a ripple effect on the world all around us. So yes, small moments allow us to cultivate connection and compassion and empathy and invite us to notice and appreciate these moments and these small joys and struggles that each of us have. So for me, the first time I became aware, this has been years ago, this story has been sitting with me for a really long time because my husband and I have been so fortunate to actually own property. We became, we fell so in love with the area in uh, Gulf Shores and Orange Beach and Fort Morgan that we purchased property there. And we've had it in the family for years, but that was when, so we're talking the early 2000s is when we purchased and we had been going there for 10, 15 years. And I noticed on one of the light items as a now a homeowner was the beach mouse fund. And I thought, well, what in the world was that? And it wasn't a lot of money, but in order to be a homeowner along the Alabama coastline, you had to pay into this fund each year. And I was, wasn't was annoyed. I was fascinated. Like out of, out of all the other fees and things that in taxes that you have to pay, 
Alabama Beach Mouse Fund. And at the time, I didn't do the research, but I was always keenly aware of trying to figure out where did this beach mouse live. So my favorite time at the beach is sitting before, even right before, as the sun starts to rise, no one is on the beach. Everything is really quiet. And that is my restoration time. That's my time. I call that time between me and God and the sacred and the beach mouse. And I remember I'd always look down across the dunes trying to find any movement. And I began to see them. They're tiny, but I began to see them out there and realize that they very much are alive. So the ocean in and of itself carries its own sacredness for so many of us, not just me. I know so many people find uh, peace and restoration at the ocean because of its symbolism. It holds a strong spiritual significance for many of us. It's a gateway to connect us to the divine, to creation, this sense of transcendence, this sense that so much, we get so caught up in our lives spiraling around it, we forget how small and insignificant we are. And the largesse and the majestic movement and sound of the ocean reminds us of that. It also reminds us of our connectivity to creation. So oftentimes too, if we enter into a, uh, we're invited into this deep expansiveness and pause for reflection and pause for breath, the ocean can be a mirror to mirror back to us the fact that we just need to slow down and pay attention to our breath, pay attention to what it is in our lives that we're focusing on. So this tranquil beauty this serene presence, we've also seen it in its rage when it's angry and out of control, reminds us that there's so little about our lives that we truly are in control of, but yet we pretend that we are. So we continue to scurry as if we can control things that are completely out of our control. So whether it's the soothing sounds or the mesmerizing movements or this connection to the divine connection to creation or reminding us that our lives are just a part of what's happening in this pulsing and ebbing and flowing of humanity in this moment in time is where we are. Those are the gifts that the ocean can give us. So for me, those early mornings is where I find and, and reset and restore those times. So my brain is all over the place. I often am fi find that I find some of my most inspiring writings there as well. But it's not uncommon when I'm sitting there that the only person I'll see on the beach, besides the maybe a toddler who, with his, who whichever parent has to get up with the child that's still getting up at 5 a.m., even though you're on vacation, will be the uniformed Alabama DNR officer. And you'll see them go out into the trap, into the dunes, and they're carrying traps, or they're going to find traps. And I realized at that time, I actually went down and talked to them that they are trapping the mice. And it's not to harm them, but to count them. So often they are going out into the, to, they take this work so seriously that they're going out and they're trapping them, they're marking them. And so that they can see how healthy is the population. So how much are they being impacted by this movement of progressive uh, construction and everything that's happening along the coastline and how are they being impacted? See my dog moving back there. Do you see his legs up in the air? <laughs> how cute is that? I've even seen them pull up 
uh, one of the traps only to let a snake out. Now I knew there were sometimes you would see snakes along the boardwalk, but I had no idea there were snakes in the zoo, in the dunes. Probably somebody right now is saying, yeah, well, you just weren't paying attention. There's always been snakes in, in the dunes, but I'll be careful when I'm walking out there. But more importantly, what that also tells me is how important this work is because the mouse is not only important to the that part of the ecosystem when it comes to what it does for the dunes and aeration of the, the root systems, but there's the snake. The predatory prey cycle of life is alive and thriving along that beach lines, just like Dr. Davis had envisioned back in the 60s. But it all remains fragile because human life keeps bumping up against this delicate balance. And as long as we don't mess around with the Endangered Species Act, then the Alabama beach mouse should be okay. But we also know that that's not necessarily what is our priority here, especially here in America, where you just hear in vital environmental groups and indigenous natives and Native Americans are very much still seething over President Biden's decision to go forward with the Willow Project. And if you don't know what that is, this is an oil and gas development initiative that's happening in the North Sea, where they're going to extract hydrocarbon reserves from the regions that will use advanced drilling and people are afraid of what's going to happen. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So there's always ongoing discussions uh, and debates about what will happen with the uh, Endangered Species Act or ESA because so many people want to minimize its influence on production and industry. So you have industry and business interests who want to mitigate what kind of influence the ESA has because they feel like it's too restrictive on land and resource use. You have property rights advocates who are saying that people have the right to use their property however they want, but you also have conservative politicians and think tanks who are saying, oh, let's just get rid of that because we don't need the government interceding on our behalf we'll take care of the land as we we should. Well, if we would, then we would not have the Alabama beach mouse and other things that have already gone extinct in America. So we all know that that's not right. This is about worshiping the almighty dollar and making sure that that is first and foremost and the environment and nature be damned, we know. So we should care, right? We should care. At least that's if we are trying to integrate our spirituality with our humanity, we absolutely should care. But with the Willow Project, this is an aggressive drilling project that will put up about 150 new wells and pipelines. And people are afraid that this will threaten the Arctic's fragile ecosystem because it'll only take one disaster like we had in in the Gulf of Mexico, and that could wipe out vast populations of wildlife and pollute the waters that have never been touched by human hands, but make that area completely uninhabitable. So maybe Alaska needs a Dr. Davis to come in and, and help with that. But metaphorically and symbolically, there's a thousand miles away between Alaska and Alabama, but they're still fighting the same issues because you have voices of environmentalists and indigenous people saying that we need to do a certain thing to protect the land and to protect nature and protect the wildlife. But you also have corporate greed and lobbyists 
who have the ears of politicians. And that's how the Willow Project got forward in the first place, because lobbying uh, lobbyists have so much more power and influence over what happens in the governmental systems than environmentalists and people who are concerned about how we take care of uh, the sentient beings and, the, and our nature. So that's kind of how we roll. In America, we live recklessly and then we apologize later and pretend like we care and put Band-Aids on the things and say, now we care and pat people on the back for doing it. But this writing, this this blog and pod, podcast go far beyond that because like I said, it's these small moments that matter. I want you to think for a minute about the work of Dr. Davis. Now he began this work with the Alabama Beach Bass in the 60s. So this was a this was a scientist in the 60s who said, you know what? And and by that time there wasn't a lot happening along the coastline. There wasn't the high-rise condos at that time. But he saw a problem coming along. And you have to understand that at that time, that would not have been a priority. We're talking about the civil rights movements, uh, the Vietnam War, the space race, uh, counterculture and hippie movement, all these things that were happening. Women's liberation was starting to really explode. And of course, in our country, we had the assassination of Dr. Um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Senator Rob, uh, President John F. Kennedy. So you had a lot of things happening in America that no one was paying attention to an Alabama beach mouse. You also had this ongoing crisis called the Cold War that started in the 40s and continued well into the 70s and 80s. But his work then went on into the 70s. He continued this work into 70s. And again, we were in a time where you had the Watergate scandal and you had President Nixon resigning and a whole, all the tumultuous time that came with that. You had the end of the Vietnam War. You had the energy crisis. Again, another wave of, of women's rights movement with the passage of Roe v. Wade at the time. And, uh, and still ongoing civil rights movement, movements and technological advancements. All this stuff that was happening would make you wonder about the work of people who were working off the sidelines to say, I'm still going to stay focused on this. This is a testament to say, look, I, I, I have no idea what Dr. Davis believed or what his values were and whether or not he was an advocate. I'm not here to judge any of that. But I'm saying that there are things that each one of us can do to elevate the human condition, to leave this world a better place than we found it, and that our work matters. Whether we're rescuing the animals, whether we're revitalizing the earth, whether we're studying the stars whether we're on the streets protesting, whether we're giving our time and our resources to help us move human rights to a true place of equity and restorative justice, all of that comes together, including the tiny beach mouse that lives just on a tiny stretch of coastline along our southern border states. So this is the time for you to ask this question, what of you? How do you tend your gardens? Or how do you tend your life? How do you offer kindness to someone in your life? How do you show up in these small moments? Now, I'm not saying that this is work that has to take years because these small moments can be just a cup of coffee to a lonely neighbor, but they add up over time. They become a wave of human consciousness, awakening each day to do what they can from their little spot 
in the world. That's for each of us. I think of Dr. Davis in his little spot and how one day he became aware that he may outlive a mouse that had been here for thousands of years and he chose to do what he could. All the while, the rest of us thought the world was ending. There were times in the 50s and the 60s and 70s, ask anybody who lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis, who thought that there was going to be a, a horrible war and that you might not see your family the next day. Time and time again, these things happen. And time and time again, humans still show up in the tiny places to create the small waves, to become one giant wave that moves us closer to a more kinder and compassionate existence. Now, each of us want to believe that we can move mountains, but together we actually literally can. Your life does matter. What we do makes a difference, whether we're planting flowers, whether we're tending to the needies, whether we join forces with others to move an organization to become more powerful in this country, whatever it is, we become part of the wave of this human consciousness. These small motor moments matter. These sacred moments matter. Your life matters and the things you are doing in this life matter. So thanks to Dr. David Davis for the work that he did to save the Alabama beach mouse because some of this country's most beautiful coastlines would not exist without it. Okay, you beautiful souls, thank you for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and my website at RevCarla.com, where you can find information about my upcoming live teachings and my courses and Sundays with Rev Carla coming soon. I'm honored to be in this space with you. Now go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon.